The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. Sonia McEntee is with us. She is Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and she is also Chair of the Law Society's PR uh, Committee and she is here to answer any legal questions that you might have. And it is evident, as always, there seems to be the same pattern that arises. One of the things that always causes huge concern is everything to do with wills, probate and inheritance. It seems terribly complicated and long and time consuming. Absolutely. I suppose there's the... um the, the grief and perhaps trauma after someone in the, in the family has passed away. And then there's the question of money. And and that does and can change how people see things and how they deal with each other. Um, there is a process to be gone through, as we know, and I know there are some questions that have come in around that. There is a process to be gone through. Um, and it can be frustrating who are, for people who are not directly involved in managing that process, but who are perhaps expecting a benefit. When will it come? How much will I get? You know, that that kind of thing. So, yeah, it can be. It can be. It's a difficult time. And there's a few along those lines. One says, my mother died five years ago. The probate went through last year, but the solicitor has not handed anything over as he can't find the deeds of the house. They're not with him, perhaps in a bank somewhere that uh, was used many years ago against a loan, but no letters from the bank for over 20 years about it. Can I contact the bank as family? I don't trust the solicitor anymore. Is that okay to do? We don't want to go on any longer waiting for him. Oh, that sounds like a mess, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it is a little bit difficult. And, and I think the deeds for the property perhaps should have been looked for long before the grant of probate um, was actually delivered. But in terms Can of... Can I ask a stupid question? What's a grant of probate? The grant of probate is when the will is considered to be proven by the High Court in Ireland. So once it is proven, it's binding in law and that, that's what the executor then must deliver to the beneficiaries. So once the grant of probate comes in, your job now is to start distributing accordingly? It's, it, yes, Absolutely. The, the, the will is set, if you like. It's it's considered to be proven. So in this instance, does that mean that the fault lies with the trustee or with the solicitor or could they be both the one person? Well, I suppose when a solicitor is involved in um, in helping extract a grant of probate, what they generally do at the outset is look to the family to, to help them gather in the assets. So they do need that information to come from somewhere. So, OK, now we know we know there's a property here and there have to be title deeds to go with that property. Um, it's possible any anyone who has a mortgage on the property, the deeds will be with the lender. So the, that's where those deeds should be. Um, if a mortgage has been repaid, the deeds may have been returned to the owner or may have been given over to the owner's solicitor. So it seems the solicitor in this case doesn't have them. So it's possible the deeds were returned to the owner and may have been in the house somewhere. So it's really important after someone dies that the house is thoroughly checked for all kinds of relevant information. Because even in this case, if this goes back over 20 years, um, someone else might not even know what bank had been involved uh, previously. And that then would set off... Um, so this could literally level be a deed, could be tucked under a mattress, it could be up in the attic, it well, could be in a box. Possible. It's possible. Um, what I would say then, though, is it is possible, though, to reconstitute the title deeds for property. But there's a little bit of work around that and some of the documentation may, you may need to go to professional. We touched on this before actually where you might need to get um, certificates of compliance with planning, with building regulations. But you can get things like um, a land registry folio if it's registered in the land registry. You can go to the registry of deeds perhaps and get do- some documentation there that might assist in um, in a chain of title or presenting a chain of title. You can get planning documents from the local authority. You'll get the taxation documents from the... Re- so you can, it, it is something that can be done in the event that the deeds can't be found. Do you ever find cool stuff in a title deed? Because I assume some deeds go back several hundred years and are kind of interesting. Your face says, no, they're not. 
Uh, no, my face, my face is actually saying yes. You can't oh, really? find some yes interesting Sorry, I yeah, misinterpreted. Find, I, but, I, but I suppose it depends on what you find interesting. All right. Um, for people who have an interest in history, for people who have, yeah, history, I suppose, is what it's all about. So, you know, in the past couple of years, um, I'm, I'm based in Cavan principally. Um, a lot of the property work that I've done around Cavan, I, I'm looking at title deeds that would have come from the old Farnham estate. And you see things like, you see trust deeds, you see marriage settlements, you see things like that, that, you know, in today's uh, world seem very arcane. But, but there, there they are, and that was how property was passed. And there's something time. interesting about seeing it in the original documentation and handwriting and well, seals and all the rest. Were beautifully written and beautifully presented, you know, back back at those times as well. So one of the things, just as a little matter of interest, and that is as we move forward, there's now what we call compulsory first registration in the in the country. So as uh, properties that are still registered in the Registry of Deeds. So I've described this before as being where you have a bundle of deeds that were often tied up with pink ribbons, but. Um, and they would have been a bundle of historic deeds, all right, going way back. But now when properties are sold, where um, a registry of deeds title is hand- handed across, the purchasing solicitor brings that to the land registry. So that becomes then, I suppose, a digital title for want of a better way. You can go online, you can then print off your folio and you can see that you're the registered owner. However, that the question then arises as to what happens then to all of those deeds. So if you own your property and your title can be proven, you may have no interest in the documents, but someone else might be interested in them. Oh, you don't have to, there's no legal requirement on you them to keep the originals if once it's gone digital. No, no. But oh, that could be an awful some loss of them maybe, if not Some of them somewhere. may be handed across into the land registry, but not necessarily all of them. Yeah. Okay, this is one of those ones where uh, not only could I not answer it, I don't fully understand the question. If you have to rent a home for a year before probate, and it's in a rent pressure zone, when you sell it, will the new owners be subject to rent restrictions based on what you set the rent at previously? Well, I think the answer to that is yes, because, you know, a rental situation, um, it it doesn't matter that it's a probate situation. From a tenant's point of view, it's still a rental contract and they're still entitled to all of the protections that are there in law. So um, that said, if you're renting a home now that has been lived in for, for several years, you'll be renting it at market rate, so if someone comes in and buys it a year later, once probate has been has been granted, the market rate is the market rate. So I wouldn't have thought there'd be that big a discrepancy at that point in time. But but yes, the rent pressure zone, rental restrictions would apply. Tech saying, my father died 15 years ago and I never saw his will. Although I was not a beneficiary, is it possible to see details of the will? Also, my mother passed recently and I am a beneficiary. The house is going through probate presently. Please advise who is responsible for heating, electricity, house insurance bills, as well as the maintenance of house and gardens at this time. Many thanks. That's an interesting one. Who's responsible for for maintaining? Because depending on the house, there could be a lot of money in keeping the house not rotten during that process. Well, the the straightforward answer to that is that the estate is responsible for maintaining. So whatever um, other funds might be in the estate would be used then for the ongoing insurance upkeep, whatever might need to be spent. And in fact, we we had an interesting one recently where um, a house that had where the gardens had become very very overgrown was put on the um, derelict sites register by the local authority. So the the estate, then the executor in the estate had to go in and ensure that all of that was tidied up and cleaned up and then apply for the local authority to come back out and inspect uh, the property again to take it off. 
that's a 7% annual charge on the property. So um, so the impact... 7% of, of the market value of the 7, property? 7%, 7% of what's considered to be the assessed value, which is more or less the market value. That could be quite the chunk very of change, depending on very, the house. Very, very substantial. So, and I suppose, look, for lots of other good reasons, the house should be maintained, even while it's empty and, and properly looked after. Um, I suppose the impact of this, even though the estate is legally liable, the impact, though, is ultimately when the benefits are paid out, who has suffered the cost of those. And that will depend on what way the will has been written. So if the house has been a specific bequest, um, the house may be going directly to a beneficiary and the residuary beneficiaries may have had to bear the costs of maintaining the house in the meantime. The um, a will might also be drafted in a way such that the costs of the um, the uh, costs would be the house would be sold if you like and the costs of, that have had to be spent in maintaining the house Well that goes would, to the first part of the that, question but if you're not an executor can you demand to see the details of the will is there anywhere no, you can and, see them? Yes and that um, I suppose the advice that would we, we would usually or, or often give is that the, the copy of the will can be provided by the executor but between a solicitor and the executor the solicitor will deal with the executor for example and what the executor might do after that is up to themselves but that said once the grant of probate has issued um, the will becomes a public document so it's publicly accessible and anyone can apply. Oh, so if the grant of probate has applied in the, fa- in the, the father's case, that'll be available publicly. can now go to the probate office and, and seek uh, a copy of the will and the grant of probate that was issued. Is that a time. thing one does online or does one have to stump up at the probate office? Um, I don't know the answer to that off the top yes, of my head. <laughs> you would eventually find one you didn't know the answer to. Finally, my bank holiday weekend is complete. <laughs> I, I have a, a one which I think is, is, is deeply sad um, uh, and it's a sort of a... It's a advice on, on a potential separation. Text just arrived in that says, my husband is constantly presenting spreadsheets with how much he contributes and how much I contribute. He earns a lot more than me. I pay half the mortgage, all of the broadband TV property tax, my own car tax, insurance and phone. I also paid the full deposit of nearly €50,000 on our house. He did not have to save for a deposit. I tried to meet all costs associated with the children halfway. I feel so under pressure by him and I'm thinking about a separation. What steps should I first take? My husband presents me spreadsheets on our mutual contributions. That's a very detailed analysis of, of, of day-to-day life. Yeah. But it's clearly pre- creating a pressure and a tension, I suppose, in the relationship, which is why this woman says that she, um, I, I'm presuming it's a woman, but this woman is saying that she's considering a separation. So, that's the decision that she needs to make. So she can go, I suppose, and take some legal advice, though, in advance of that without having said anything at home or without having uh, broached the subject. Go and uh, go and speak to a solicitor about what way the financial elements of this would fall in the event or what she can expect. And then I suppose she can make a more fully informed decision around around uh, what might happen if they do separate. And all of the points that she has raised will be relevant in assessing, I suppose, who gets what from perhaps a sale of the of the family home? Um, the fact that she paid the de- the deposit is relevant um, and and would go in her favour. Um, the fact that everything else seems to be met fifty fifty would indicate that any residual, any additional interest in the house or equity in the house, I suppose, would be would be um, considered on a fifty fifty basis. However. And we again, we've touched, you know, the children have to be front and centre here in terms of the ongoing care for the children on a day to day basis. And when you have a, a separating um, parents who are separating, it costs far more to run two households separately than it does to run 
one household. And that also has to be considered. So how, what is the standard of living Regardless going to be like of cost. if there I mean, is a separation? Imagine living in a household when you're getting handed spreadsheets assessing your financial contribution to the marriage. And that's why I say she has to consider that very um, carefully for herself and, and make her own decision around that. But it clearly brings pressure into the household. I'm going to do an awful thing and ask for a brief answer to something that probably can't be answered briefly. Text saying, somebody has asked me to be an executor of their will. What does that mean that I'll have to do? Is it a big, significant task? Um, well, well, I'll, I'll make two points then in relation okay. to it to keep it short. The first one is that it should be, if you approach it like a business arrangement, all right, there is a will. Your job is to take that through the pro- probate process. So it's the gathering in of assets, it's the, the identifying of debts, and then it's to distribute in accordance with the terms of the will. It should be relatively straightforward. All right, it should be. Second point I want to make, though, is being an executor is a lifelong obligation. All right. So if there is some now, this is highly unusual. All right? I can't say that I've ever seen it in my years of practice, but I suppose it is to maybe um, emphasise the fact that it is an important responsibility that you're taking on. Even it's lifelong. Surely once probate is granted, just have your money, leave me alone. Well, well, if, well if I'm dealing with a situation at the moment where we have a sum of where, where a sum of money has come to light in an account that's over 20 years old and Various people have died between then and now and we're trying to identify who the proper beneficiary for this money will but the, be. But the executor has to come right. out of retirement to do that. The executor will be someone who will have to be involved in that in that situation. Yeah. Amazing. Sonia, as always, fascinating. Thank you so much. That is Sonia McEntee, Principal Solicitor at Sonia McEntee Solicitors and Chair of the Law Society PR uh, Committee. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.